Hello. And welcome to Pop Tarts. I think we've been here about as long as men. They were enough to know that I had to really set my pussy up. Cockroaches. Cockroaches. <laughs> <laughs> Clitoris face. It's like a sprinkling of clit faces. Showbiz. Showbiz. Showbiz, kid. I'm Emily Rems. I'm Callie Watts. We are both editors at Bust Magazine in Brooklyn, New York. We love talking to each other about pop culture. We love talking to you about pop culture. And today we have the most special of guests. Today, Callie and I are going to be talking about one of our absolute favorite shows, Pose. We've talked about it on the show many times. We can't get enough of it. The show is returning to FX on June 11th. And helping us to talk about this amazing show is our Lady J. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) She is currently a writer and producer on Pose and was previously writing and producing on Amazon's groundbreaking show, Transparent, before becoming the first out trans writer to be hired in a television writer's room. She made a name for herself as a pop and classical pianist working with Sia and the American Ballet Theater and was the first out trans woman to perform at Carnegie Hall. She was awarded a Peabody Award for her work on Transparent and has been nominated for three Writers Guild Awards and an NAACP Image Award. She is a true trailblazer and we're so honored to have her here with us in the studio. Welcome our Lady J. Hi, thanks. Yay, you're here. That's so weird to hear all that stuff right before I Your life just rolled before you. Thank you for, for having me. Happy to be here. We have to talk about your life up until this point, every single moment. No, just oh god, uh, it's gonna be a long podcast. But your career <laughs> journey is so inspiring. Thank you. You were born in the Appalachian Mountains of Southern Pennsylvania. Yes, the northern yeah. tip of the Appalachian, oh the god. Cumberland Valley. And you moved to New York City as a teen musician. I actually no, I was twenty one when oh. I moved to New York. So baby adult, baby, baby adult. adult. I started going to New York though in my teens. I would sneak away on the Greyhound bus from Pennsylvania. So I was, I think I was 18 when I started sneaking to New York City. Somehow, magically, Dolly Parton discovered you, Mm. helped you become the woman you are today. (laughs) And now you're the most powerful trans woman in Hollywood. Fill in all the gaps of this amazing story. (laughs) I can't even talk about Dolly. I will. um, I just got off of a flight. So I feel like I'm I'm already in the clouds, and the moment Dolly's name comes up, I'm in heaven. Years ago, at the Zipper Factory, I started performing. I remember that place. Do you remember the Zipper Factory? Yes, I've so seen magical. so many things there. I love the Zipper Factory. The Zipper was really fun, and they, uh, you know, they cultivated a lot of like young artists, and and they brought me on after I was doing shows in Hole in the Walls. And um, I started doing this show called The Gospel of Dolly, where I would perform her gospel music. But I would make it all weird oh and like God. Tori Amos or, you know, Amazing. I would just add my depression to Dolly's light. And oh <laughs> it God. was this show called The Gospel of Dolly. So Dolly at the time was uh, she had staged nine to five on Broadway. Oh, I remember that. What year was this? Approximately. 2008-ish. Uh-huh. Okay. I think. 
nine-ish, So eight-ish. a decade ago. A decade ago. I just did it as like, I was singing and songwriting. So most of the shows that I would do were um, original music. And it just caught on because who doesn't love Dolly Parton? So I made it a yearly event around the holidays. Uh-huh. And um, my friend Stephen Aremus was her music director for nine to five <gasps> and slipped her a bootleg copy of the Gospel of Dolly <laughs> along I with I know, I a just live like, album and an anybody article. Anybody slipping anything on anyone's behalf to Dolly Parton <laughs> is just. It was a very nice thing that he did. We're still very good friends. Um, and then apparently she listened to it in her tour bus from Nashville to New York and asked to meet me. Um, oh my God. And so I, I died. Uh-huh. I've been dead ever since. Yeah. And I'm looking at a ghost. You're a gorgeous ghost. Okay. Thank a you. gorgeous ghost. Uh, I'm ghosting. I'm, I'm <laughs> flickering in and out of this reality <laughs> over this story. It's a new meaning to ghosting. Um, but long story short, I met her and she was just so sweet. She wanted to thank me for singing her songs. And then she went through the set list and told me what songs she loved and what she loved about them and the, you know, the different That is so extra. It. Nobody needs to do that much extra. God damn it, Dolly Parton. And then she made a request for the next shows that she asked if I would do The Seeker. So now I perform The Seeker as requested by Dolly Parton because that's her favorite gospel song that she wrote. <laughs> you look like if you're you in shock. If you could see the face <laughs> that I'm making right now because Dolly requests, it's just, oh. So where do we go from there? What, Transparent. What, um, New York is very accepting of all identities. Uh, the downtown scene was amazing. I moved to L.A. to make a studio album because that's what you do in L.A. And um, I did that, and it was fun, and it was great. But I found that the music world was not quite open um, to trans uh-huh. artists. I mean, specifically, I heard really awful things said oh, God. in meetings to me, to Just my face. Just people saying nightmare you, things to your you face. Would you feel comfortable saying any of them? Oh, yeah. I, I say it all the time. I like to talk trash about the, um, trash. the music industry. Yeah. Give us the trash. Um, so, because hopefully it'll make some changes happen yes. and doors Set will open Set the trash for... alight. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I just heard uh, one meeting I heard, nobody wants to hear a tranny sing sad songs. What are you supposed and to sing? Songs of joy all the time? <laughs> they wanted me to make a dance record and I didn't want to do that. They wanted you to believe in life after love. <laughs> Which I do. But, I mean, that's not who I am as a musical mm-hmm. artist. I'm, you know, Rufus Wainwright was a big influence. Oh, God, I, I saw Rufus Simone, last year. Was... I love Rufus so much. But long story short, I didn't want to make a dance record, so I started exploring other options. Mm-hmm. And I'd always written as a lyricist in, in New York, writing for theater and cabarets. So um, I decided to write a stand-up act. And I... As I was writing that, I met Jill Soloway at the Glad Awards. Love her. And Friend of Bust, Jill mm-hmm. Soloway. Bust. And so Jill said that they had this amazing new show. Um, the pilot hadn't come out yet. And um, when it was time to hire a new writer, Jill asked me to submit a short story. So I had all this material that I was working on for stand-up. I think I was saved from being booed off the stage. <laughs> By Jill Soloway. So um, Jill hired me to be in the writer's room at Transparent. And, and that's how you became the first trans woman in the writer's room. Correct. Of any show. Via Dolly and Jill. God, you correct. had some angels. There's some angels. My grandma um, prays for me a lot. Aww. <laughs> that's appellation, though. That's like, my family's from the South. They love to just yeah. 
give you the spirit. Yeah, absolutely. And then uh, your success from that just just you were able to cha 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 right into Pose. I was on um, Transparent for four seasons, and then Pose. We're now on season two. So season one of the show was set in 1987 and 1988, and revolves around Black and Latin ball culture and the families that evolved out of these LGBT underground modeling competitions and before pose most of us were exposed to this culture either by the 1990 documentary paris is burning Mm -hmm. and or by the phenomenon of madonna's vogue video which came out the same year Mm -hmm. um you were born in the mid 80s oh in the 70s you were wow wikipedia makes you so much younger what does wikipedia say wikipedia says that you were born in 85 Okay, I'll take that. <laughs> and I would absolutely believe Who are it. these Thank angels you. in your corner? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so so then if you were born in the 70s as I'm 40. I was. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you're younger than I am, older than Callie. Mm-hmm. But all of us were a bit young to actually have been there at the time. Right. So how did you come in contact with ball culture? What did it mean to you? And how did you go about writing about it? Well, I lived in New York from 2000 to 2010. I started transitioning in 2005. Um, so a lot of my friends and a lot of my sisters who helped me through my transition had been in the ballroom scene, in the ballroom community, and I just heard about these amazing balls. And then I watched Paris is Burning. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And um, so I started going to balls. I only went to... I've only went to like a handful, maybe five or six before I moved to LA. Mm-hmm. Um, but they were enough to know that I had to really step my pussy up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the first ball I went to, I couldn't believe the level of performance, artistry, beauty, and majesty that I had witnessed. Mm-hmm. And it was really in- incredibly inspiring. A- at once, I knew I, I had something to look up to, um, something to emulate. As far as um, confidence goes, I wasn't really a confident woman at that time. And then, uh, but I also was really intimidated. Like there's I no way. I would imagine so. I mean, if I had to walk a ball with Electra Abundance, <gasps> I mean, come on, <laughs> it would be over. But now Electra Evangelista, if we've watched. Right, yes. Spoiler alert, Electra Evangelista. But anyway, so it was, I was always an admirer of ballroom culture. And then when Ryan, there was word in LA that Ryan was making the show. Ryan Murphy. Ryan Murphy. Um, But nobody knew what the show was called. There was all the buzz. Was it positive buzz or was it? It was curious. Everyone was just curious because I would say it's positive because Ryan is such a great storyteller. Right. And such a good maker of television. It's an empire. Yeah, he's really inspiring. He called me in to have a meeting with him, and he explained how he was going to hire trans folks and, and trans and queer people of color in every department. And that made me really excited because I thought, well, this is going to be authentic. And, um, and then he mentioned that he was bringing in Janet Mock as well. And I just asked where to sign, pretty much. (laughs) (laughs) And what's the environment like there? To How is it as a place to work? It's really small and really intimate, actually. There are only five of us in the writer's room. Oh, my gosh. Whoa. Uh, Ryan Murphy. All of that, like, 
glamour that's cascading down upon us is created by <laughs> a room of five brains. Bust. Five people. <laughs> yeah, bust is made by six people. Wow. Wow. So you know. I know. It's, um, it's, Opinions it's really matter when you're in it's a magic trick. space. Yeah. And you also feel like what you're bringing to the table is going to be heard. Uh, so it's really, it's really wonderful. Um, so it's Ryan, Brad Falchek, Stephen Canals, who wrote the original pilot, and Janet Mock and myself. Oh my god! It's a dream team. So if I'm hearing you correctly, you and Janet are the women voices in that room. Correct. Wow. I feel like I'm I'm watching something um, where women's voices are being heard in the writers' room when I watch that show. So I'm impressed that that that's being conveyed by two women. Well, thanks. Well, I I feel like it's more than two women. It's it's the community. You know, I I don't just write my own experience when I'm when I'm writing mm-hmm. of course. I really since I started with transparent I learned that I had to I had an obligation and I had a responsibility to bring authentic storytelling to a mainstream audience and so I got really really close with my community and um, and I think Janet feels the same we're both very much in touch with the sisterhood mm-hmm. and so it's really a show um, about trans folks, written by trans folks, that incorporates much more than the characters and much more than the writers. It's it's an entire community that is living in this show. Do you feel, because there's been so little programming of this sort before, that that you don't just have to tell a story, but you have to do a lot of educating? And does that feel kind of like a drag when you're a storyteller? Um, I mean, there that's a complicated um subject i guess educating can be really fulfilling Mm -hmm. um knowing that if you put a story out there that no one has heard before that that might change the world in some way that's Mm -hmm. really fulfilling yes um and also teaching people how to treat people Mm. when that group of um citizens have been treated so badly i know in my own experience um in my little village in Appalachia country, nobody even knew what the word trans was. Mm-hmm. And they knew that if you were to break gender rules when you were born male or assigned male at birth, that that was punishable um, by bullying, verbal harassment, physical harassment, um, physical abuse. So to be able to look at those things that I've had to deal with and to know that I could prevent that in someone else's life is mm-hmm. extremely fulfilling. Um, but then as like a weirdo creative, <laughs> it's just like, I would just want to tell like fun stories. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but I think pose is a good combination of those two things on transparent. There was a lot of education, a lot of educating that we did. Um, most people didn't even know what the word trans was in America. Like it wasn't on the tip of everyone's tongue. Yeah. The show kind of went off like a bomb. It like, did. In a lot of ways, it just reached into homes that had never had those mm-hmm. discussions before. Well, it was a part of a movement. It was a perfect storm. Um, we had Lauren Cox in Orange is the New Black. Um, we had Caitlyn Jenner came out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and then Transparent happened, and it was just uh, people were interested. Yeah. And But along with that, we did have to do a lot of educating. So it felt like... The first season that I was on the show, it did feel like, okay, here are the ABCs. Let's take everyone to college. Let's get yeah. everyone um, on the same page with vocabulary. Yeah. Um, what can we say? What can't we say? 
And then as the seasons went on, we were able to get a little more nitty gritty. Mm-hmm. And I feel like we're in a place right now with Pose, we don't have to do that much educating. Um, there still is a lot that we do. Um, it's more about undoing stories that have already been done. You know, the negative stereotypes that are out in the world around trans folks and trans the trans community. It's really about... Um, creating a sense of, of empathy around these characters so if anything it's uneducating oh <laughs> and individualizing, <laughs> individualizing right exactly um season two which is just about to begin jumps yeah, from 1988 wait. to 90 mm-hmm. to the day that madonna releases vogue correct um you said that you've drawn a lot of information and inspiration from folks that you know that were around the scene then in the in the early 90s what have people told you about this moment in history was there anger was there celebration what was it like when mainstream culture first started to consume some might say co-opt something that had previously been sort of born out of rejection by mainstream culture I want to save that for you to watch. (laughs) I can't give away too much. I mean, we have consultants on the show that are from the ballroom community that were around um, during that time. Mm -hmm. And so I think you're going to see a bit of a reflection on the Mm -hmm. screen. If I say too much, I'll give too much away. Well, not to be too much. Wait, I can't. (laughs) I was wondering when I was writing out my questions, if it's anything like we've been at this feminist grind for Mm -hmm. 25 years. Bust has been around for 25 years. Uh And I've been making it for, this will be 18 years this summer. Callie's been like, what, like 14? 14. And like when we were putting, we were asking people if they were feminists and putting the word feminist on the cover and people were like, ugh, Um, And then, you know, like Beyonce is in front of like 50 foot letters, feminism. And everyone's like, yeah, feminist. Yes, feminist. And we're like, where were you? Sort of like, finally, we're totally like, finally, we're also like we were through with it before you knew what to do with it. Mm -hmm. Like, where's our recognition? Like we've literally had cover meetings where we were like but we shouldn't put feminists on the cover because people people hate feminists we need to trick them into thinking that we're equal like that was basically like oh they're not gonna pick this up because they think we hate people i was thinking about that struggle when i was writing these questions like not that it is an equal struggle but that it's like similar in terms of like of pop culture getting pop culture to get on your page and now you've got people fucking dying over billy porter doing the most at the mat yeah and so people (laughs) you know they're like yes this guy gets it yeah well i think the one thing that i can speak on in my own experience um was with the trans tipping point where when i came out most of my trans family were not out and they were it was very it felt very underground in New York at least mm-hmm. where it's like don't talk about being trans girl like you know you don't want people to know you don't want people to clock you like it's you know go with the flow that was the feeling mm-hmm. was that we weren't going to be out for our survival and also mm-hmm. because it just wasn't cool to talk about at that time I knew in my own experience, not even having the word trans uh, was just such a negative thing for me. I feel like 
if my parents knew what the word trans was, we would have had a much better relationship earlier on. We have mm. a great relationship now. Oh, that's amazing. But it took a lot of work to get there. So um, I was always passionate about being out. And also I'm a six foot two woman with a deep voice. And the moment I open my mouth, most people know I'm trans. So I didn't really have that option to I would just call stealth. you sultry. Sultry, thank you. So, but the passing wasn't ever really an option for me. And then um, in the community, there was, a, you know, we all were working hard to ensure that everyone had equal rights. You know, some of us um, worked on the political end of things. You know, I myself worked as an artist and I always incorporated identity into my show. And then um, a lot happened in the world and suddenly transness is a thing and everyone's out and there's the trans pride flag and there's a, a whole lot of letters added to LGBT um, that really uh, represent a much more diverse group of people. Um, but along with that, you did see uh, negative aspects of it. You know, we're seeing the Trump administration. I think a lot of what's happening right now is just a backlash and we're being used as it's like an undertow like there was this big exactly crashing mm. uh social movement that is yes. now being dragged under by very frightened people exactly mm -hmm. so i think you know when you go from being marginalized and um invisible even uh, to go mainstream it's it's more than one thing it's very complicated there are many um there's there are many dimensions to something like that happening. And I hope that's what we're exploring this season in post. Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> Every time you just go, I'm like, give it to me. Pose features the largest transgender cast ever assembled for a scripted series, ever, ever, ever. How important is it to you as a producer to make sure that trans roles go to trans actors? It's essential uh, that trans folks play trans parts and it's mandatory but you're you are coming to pose from amazon where the transparent mm -hmm. is not being played by a transparent correct um so i i assume that when you came on to that you weren't really in a casting position really correct uh-huh well i mean i definitely had influence i came on at season two okay so everything season one was out of my control and Jill had already publicly stated at that time that any parts moving forward that were trans were going to be played by trans folks. Mm -hmm. Oh, good. So, um, I mean, I think we're past that in Hollywood. Like, I, I think I've never... Any production that has come out in the last couple of years that doesn't have a trans actor, it's not just painful to watch knowing that a trans person could have been employed playing mm -hmm. that role, but it just doesn't feel authentic. It feels... Mm -hmm. Um, performative. It feels, it feels false. Mm -hmm. Most recently, I remember uh, we had Murray Hill on this show, and Murray, Murray was talking about um, how Scarlett Johansson was gonna uh, star in Robin Tug, and then right. every there was this outpouring of people being like, "Have you ever seen this tax Gill dude? He looks just like Murray Hill." And there was like a an online campaign for Murray Hill to play it, and then. <laughs> There was sort of a, an online flurry of uh, Scarlett Johansson backing out, no longer uh, playing that role. But 
then there's a question of if the movie is going to even be made at all without her. I believe it's not correct. Well, because it was like she was producing it for herself. Right. right. And so if she wasn't going to play it, then she wasn't going to make it and nobody else has stepped up to make it. And so then there's sort of this question of, you know, is it better for the movie about the trans person to not be made at all than to have it? Well, like, couldn't uh, she needs to kind of step aside and be like, you know, this isn't, I can produce it. This isn't the vehicle I start in. She should kind of stand up and be like. So you think she should produce it anyway? Yes. How rude of her to be like, this is a great story. This is a great thing, but only I can play it. But, you know, there's also the idea that women have limited resources and like maybe they only want to produce get funding thing, if that they're that they're trying to make the movies that they want to be in. Yeah. So she can play like a friend. <laughs> she could be the friend. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I want Murray Hill to play that part. So yeah. bad. <laughs> I want everyone to know who Murray Hill is. Murray, Murray is Hill needs to be one a household of the most name. Talented people I know. He's showbiz. Really showbiz kid. <laughs> oh. I love him. He's a New York treasure. He and Natasha Leon have the exact same accent. Have you ever noticed this? <gasps> oh my goodness, I never noticed that. They do. They have the exact same accent. Well, they're in New York. Cockroaches. Cockroaches. <laughs> <laughs> Cockroaches. I can't do it. I can't even do it justice. I'm not going to embarrass myself. As a trans woman with a significant platform, do you feel moved to be an activist as well as an artist during times like this one where we have a White House that's actively discriminating against trans people? What form would does that take for you as an activist? Um, yeah, I feel I have a responsibility to stand up for um, for folks who need help in in whether it's my trans community or whether it's where I'm from in rural America I would love to make a broad comedy about you know boring straight folks someday (laughs) really fun and I can't wait for that day to happen but in the meantime yeah it's hard I don't I don't really enjoy the news (laughs) I don't enjoy knowing everything that's happening um, but I, I do take time to unplug mm-hmm. when I'm not working. And if it's just an echo chamber of people yelling at each other, I, I step out of the conversation. Um, but otherwise, I do feel very much in touch with um, the needs of our community right now. What advice do you have for creative people who want to put that creativity to work for the resistance? I think just make good art. Um, sometimes I think things are too political where you hear the the message of the politics before you are really engrossed in the storytelling. So I think um, the best political art, you don't even know it's political until mm-hmm. you're in it. Right. And then your mind is being changed and your heart's being changed and you don't even know it. Um, I, that's just my personal opinion on that I really enjoy um, getting lost in a story and whenever the political overtones are um, so loud at the beginning of the story sometimes you can't get into it because it feels like you're in someone's agenda Um, but I think not even knowing what the agenda is can be really powerful Mm -hmm. 
I read that you publicly disclosed that you're HIV positive last year while in the writer's room of season one of Pose. Um, you actually wrote about it on Transparent as well um, in the episode where Tracy Lissette's character uh, comes out as positive to Jay Duplass's character. I, that's actually, I think, probably my favorite episode of that whole oh, show. Thanks. Bridget um, Bedard wrote that episode, but in the, in the writer's room... Uh, um, you know, the story comes from all the writers and the outline comes before the script. So Bridget Bedard um, wrote the beautiful script for that episode. But that was based on something that I was going through at, at the time. What has the experience been like exploring that part of yourself through the writer's room? And what has the feedback been like? It's been really healing. Um, something that I had so much shame about for so long. Um, although I was never in the closet about my HIV status. It wasn't something that I thought would ever be useful. It always felt like a burden. Um, disclosure was always a nightmare. Disclosure still is a nightmare sometimes, um, especially with the, the men who date trans women. They mostly identify as straight, and there's just really a lack of education um, mm. with straight men around HIV. They still think it's 1985. They don't know that undetectable is undeniable. Or it's undeniable. <laughs> Sorry. Undetectable is undeniable. <laughs> um, they don't know that undetectable is untransmittable and the basic facts around HIV AIDS. So I was finding that it, it was becoming unbearable um, and it, it felt so small. And to be able to take something that I knew that the other 37 million people who are living with HIV were also feeling and mm -hmm. yet no one was speaking about, mm -hmm. to take that and put it in such a public platform was just so healing. Um, because I, I know that change comes from speaking up. Um, mm -hmm. That's just a fact of life. Um, so it's been wonderful. It's been terrifying as well. I, you know, I'm still terrified to talk about it because not because I um, think HIV is going to kill me. I'm actually really healthy for the most part. And, you know, the meds are amazing, but it's terrifying because I'm afraid that people will see my status before they see me as a person mm -hmm. because the stigma is so profound. Um, but, you know, what else am I going to do? Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, if I'm not going to be honest about my experience, I don't think I can be a writer. But yeah, it, I, I have gotten a lot of messages of support. And um, that's been really incredible. That's amazing. It's really brave. Thank you. Our Lady J, are you a feminist? Of course I'm a feminist. <laughs> You'd be shocked how many people don't give that really? direct of an answer. Uh-huh. Wow. Has your work in these writers rooms affected your feminism at all evolved your your sense of yourself as a feminist um yes I would say my work in the writers room has strengthened my sense of identity around womanhood and around um what we have to do as a sisterhood um, to move forward and to break down the awful barriers that are still in our way. It's been a long time that women have been around. Yeah. I don't know. 
<laughs> I don't know if you've known know about we've this. We've been at it for a while. Fact. Um, it's it's I think shocking. We've been here about as long as men. You think so? <laughs> I don't know. It's a word on the street. <laughs> Give or take. Uh, that sounds like fake news. <laughs> what are your hopes and dreams and goals and desires for the rest of 2019? What's happening? I want to move to a ranch and have like a million dogs. Aww. I just want to be surrounded ranch. by animals and love. I'm feeling this Dolly-ness coming off of you. Really? Uh, well, I guess she's a, a country girl. I, I am a country girl. I really am. Is stars. That I miss stars a lot. Yeah. I was from a place where you could see stars. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming to Bust Magazine. We're thank so you. thrilled to have you here. Thanks and for having me. We love Pose so, so much. much. Oh, thank <laughs> so you. So much. Though I thank did you. fuck up and I was watching the last episode while I was on Mushrooms. And that was <laughs> such a sad episode. What happened when you were on Mushrooms? What was that like? Well, I wanted to just watch Dan. You know, I was like, oh, this is going to be perfect. And then I was like, <laughs> why did I do this? Do yeah, we it was emotional enough. A, a journey. I don't know yeah. if you need to add a journey I to that journey. I watched it again later and I was like, why did I even do that to myself? But you should put a warning on it. I just loved it. the show so much and I was like, oh, I'm on mushrooms in my house. You know what I want to do? Watch Pose. And then I was like, terrible. That's so funny. Because that was such an intense episode. It was intense, but it was also very joyous. It was joyous. It was intense. I went on a roller coaster. (laughs) I was like on the edge of my bed with a cat. And I was like, oh, hold on. If you want to watch it again, um, post just season one, just hit Netflix. So all all eight episodes. Yes, because I need that refresh. We're going to take the briefest of breaks. And when we come back. We're going to ask Our Lady J, and Our Lady J hopefully will ask us, what What you watching? Before we get back to the show, I want to tell you about our new sponsor, Wolfie Vibes Publicity. If you're working on a new project and find yourself in need of a kick-ass publicist who communicates well and works tirelessly to get you the coverage you're after, consider going to Wolfie Vibes Publicity. Wolfie Vibes Publicity is a female-owned and operated boutique PR firm that will get you where you need to be, and you'll even have fun in the process. Get in touch via wolfievibespublicity.com for details and quotes, and tell them that Pop-Tart sent you. Essentially, I started it because every female comedian I know was amazing and hardworking and hilarious and I knew would make great podcasts. And every male comedian I know already had a podcast and was doing their own thing. (laughs) Hi, I'm Kate Moldenhauer, the founder of More Banana Podcasts, a comedy podcast network entirely produced, hosted and led by women. We have shows about politics. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Let's Get Civical. When the Supreme Court puts stuff on their calendar, they use the word docket. So their Google calendar is a docket. Is a docket. So technically, I have a docket. You have a docket. We all have docket. We all have a docket. Sex. Welcome to my vagina. I'm Jesse Karen. This is Rebecca Frank. What were ancient Greek dildos made of, Jesse? They were made of padded leather and, yep, anointed with olive oil. Yep. (laughs) Scams. I'm Caitlin Bradley Smith. <laughs> and, and we, we love, love scams. scams. She tells them she's a German Russian heiress and she seems like she has a lot of money and people buy it. That's yeah. basically what's happening. So as soon as she got a loan, she would cash it as much as she could out before anybody caught on. 
it's Which amazing. Was so smart. I mean, that's so like, smart. <laughs> I mean, it's terrible, but like to take that money out immediately because women are actually pretty versatile and funny. More Banana is a network of women's voices, unfiltered and uninterrupted. Find us everywhere you get your podcasts and learn about our growing roster of shows at morebanana.com. And we're back. (laughs) How's that for a brief break? We are back. So, we want to know, our Lady J, what you're watching. And when I say what you're watching, I'm talking about movies, television, books, music Uh videos, music, podcasts, anything that you're consuming pop culturally, we want to know about it because it's probably very cool. I want to know. Well... Okay, my favorite movie last year was Suspiria. Speaking of feminism, <gasps> that's finally hitting Netflix, oh so God, I can watch so it good. with ample pee breaks. Is I it how compared to the OG? I loved it. Yeah, I think it. I because the OG incredible. just like the colors the and the saturation. Yeah, it was visually was such a. It felt what well, felt so campy the OG, mm-hmm. but this actually felt. Is it scary? Like a bona fide thriller. Oh, yeah. I was scared. I've been waiting to watch it in the home zone. I'm so. a real gore but person. But related it's not, to It doesn't really bring the, the gore, right? Yeah. I, well, I, the gore was a side element of it, but I just loved the, the witchcraft of it and like the dance. I'm a practicing like the witch, 70s so I Cold bring on any dance. witch. And some witches are like, oh, they're mis... You know, like they're making us Appropriating look, it. Yeah, but I'm like, oh, I just... Even if they get it totally wrong... Yeah. I'm like, oh, well, at least they had some herbs. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> and they did something with the moon. It's they got two Jason. things. Right. Two things, right? <laughs> like Sabrina's totally off the off. Right. Like but, Satan's not even involved. But, but I'm still they're like, having that I'll watch it. You got me. <laughs> they're opening the door. Uh, that was my favorite movie. Amazing. Um, I think my favorite TV show. Well, I discovered this show late. Um, have you watched London Spy? No. no. It's like been out for two years, but it's really incredible. Where it's a are BBC you show. It? Okay. It's on Netflix. Okay. BBC, they put their backs into a show. They really do. Killing Eve is incredible uh-huh, as uh-huh. well. Um, London Spy, it's a it's a suspense action thriller, but it's like all surrounding gay trauma. Ooh. Oh. It's really good. I highly recommend it. Are you watching Babylon Berlin? No. No. It's an You're watching all new things. <laughs> it's on Netflix too. Well, I mean, thousands of things are on okay. Netflix. I, know. <laughs> I think I just have, it's like so you catered. Guys, it knows oh, yeah. the right. algorithm. And so maybe I'm just watching everything that. I'm going to get your login. Okay. I'll give you my <laughs> login right now. <laughs> your algorithm is clearly I superior to algorithm. ours. <laughs> no, I don't know. Babylon Berlin, it's it's um, all in subtitles. It's Germany's most expensive. It's actually the most expensive non-English speaking film or uh, series ever made. Whoa. It's Whoa. really incredible. It's uh, the period of um, between the wars in Berlin with Weimar Berlin and all of the My friend Bubbles art. told me to watch it. It's all coming back it's to me really now. Really really but you have I to read the subtitles. I also love that a friend named Bubbles. <laughs> that is so... Um, what else are you guys... What are you guys watching? Callie, what you watching? All right. Well, first, we need to discuss that I saw Bjork's cornucopia at the <gasps> show. You saw Bjork. That is legendary. How I can't it? take it. Legendary, legendary, legendary. 
So what you saw her where and why and how? She is doing a new show called The Cornucopia at this place, The Shed, in Hudson Yards. Um, she had that, it was, she was very much into climate change. There was a lot of uh, her speaking about about how we need to protect the world. Because you know that she gives a fuck about Iceland and the, like mm-hmm. she's always been so nature, nature is ancient. You know, it's like a big part of her work. And so she had that uh, teen Swedish activist, Greta Thunberg. Yes, who's did, up for like a Nobel Peace Prize. Yes. After like the set before the encore, she did a video where the, uh, that, that girl was talking about like the, the old people aren't going to change. They've already just let us die. They're just going to kill us. It's got to be the kids. I was like crying like a little baby bitch. She had seven women flute players. And at one point they were all in a circle around her playing a circle flute. It was like a n- never ending flute, <laughs> which seems really spitty to me. They must have had some kind of. Sp- yeah, that sounds very they salivary. Must have had some kind of like spit valve shoot. Right. But it was gorgeous. <laughs> And then she had a 50-member choir of Icelandic teenagers. Aw. Some of them had these hats on, but then also they had the Bjork new, you know, Bjork's thing is that clitoris face mask. Clitoris face. So there was like a sprinkling of clit faces, but it was amazing. (laughs) And then there was a guy that literally played a fish tank with wooden bowls. Like he was just taking the water and pouring it next to a microphone and then tapping the bowl upside down to make a beat. Just... Bjork, I just insane. <laughs> How long is this playing? Uh, it went. It? it was all last week, and I think it may go into next week. Okay. You should I'm go if you can. It was insane. Okay. She wears a whole, you know, like clit face with pearls. She's her voice carries. Her voice is pristinely gorgeous. It's yeah. She's just a gift. When I saw the best documentary. It's a fascinating documentary called Bathtubs Over Broadway, which I would probably have never watched because that seems like such like you're like, what the fuck is this? But my friend posted, if you like camp and funny things and you don't think this movie is funny, don't talk to me again. And I was like, no, no description of the movie. It's it is. It just is. So it's this guy, Steve Young, and he's a writer for David Letterman. And he's been writing for David Letterman for years. And he was like, it's really hard to make me laugh. The There's like deceptors in my brain that just don't work anymore because they got comedy over fried. So now he like it's really hard for him to find something hilarious. And when he was working on the Letterman show, he would go to these record stores to find old records for that skit he was doing about like really bad albums and he got obsessed with industry musicals which were made in like the 30s 40s 50s into like the early 60s and they are specifically for people that work in an industry to sell the goods not for consumers for the industry people so it's called Bathtubs of Broadway because he's obsessed with this one he can't find about whirlpool saunas and about selling whirlpool saunas to people. And then there's ones that are like how to sell insurance. And a ones, musical about yes. selling a whirlpool. There's when one you told me about specific. this documentary, it reminded me that I had heard of something like this before. And I think it was an episode of This American Life. Probably. They probably talked guy. to the same Letterman dude where it was just like they would have like a company retreat. Mm-hmm. And they would like 
millions of dollars together a whole multimedia like song and dance extravaganza to entertain huge broadway staff of a corporation huge broadway stars are in these they were getting big bucks and they would only have to do it for a weekend and they were full on who are these producers and how do i find well, a producer to really make do it anymore but oh my god they're, they're like my dog's we're outfit. gonna make so much money on refrigerators and then they're like stocks are going up stocks are going up we're gonna make so much money it's pretty much the thing about everyone. and now it's just like one guy that david cross makes fun of singing um about bank of america to the tune of one by you too. It's oh all been God. condensed down to there like was one, one guy. Quote, I was watching with my dad when I was home for Mother's Day and, and with both my parents, but my dad, I like died, fell out laughing at this line that was like, you take something that no one cares about and then you write a musical about it, but make it really, really, really good. And then you don't show it to anybody. <laughs> and then you make a record of it. That's pretty much the movie. It was amazing. Is it on Netflix? Yes. It's I really want to see it. Watch. Bathtubs over Broadway. Bathtubs over Broadway. Um, I saw this clip of Keanu Reeves on Colbert. Okay. So I recently had- Oh, I saw him on Colbert. He's looking foxy to me. He's foxy as fuck. But he's also so uh like stoic, I would say, because they're talking about Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure reboot, and they're talking about, like, the concept is they have to write this song that's to save the universe, and they have, like, 80 minutes to write the best song, or everybody dies. And Colbert is like, he just says Keanu's full name, which I thought was funny. Keanu Reeves, what do you think happens when we die? And Keanu just goes, well, I think the people that love us will miss us. And Colbert just, like, got stopped and was just like okay existential Keanu Reeves you just gave it I know it was such a good answer it's such a good answer especially since I was just coming from my friend who had uh he died from depression I will just say you know like people are like how he die and I'm like pretty much just depression and you know we, I, we were just a lot of friends doing a lot of like memory shit and I was like oh Keanu Reeves getting me in the feels who knew he was such a sage and then i watched uh knock down the house did you watch that yet yes Ugh. alexandria ocasio cortez for the win oh it was so I good it was yet. it's on netflix and it followed okay. her well it followed four different women but, but mostly she her. was the only one that won and they followed mostly her because they're from new york she's in new york and they didn't have the budget to really go out i read why they didn't really follow most of the others not because she was the winner but because it just worked really out for it. it just worked out for yeah. them. when she won <laughs> i got um very verklempt at the end of that movie it was so and like when she's putting her makeup in, on in the first scene and she's like men don't have to do this i'm already was like yes you and then i watched wine country partially it's meh you know, I while I was watching it, I knew that you would think that it was meh. For those of you who are not familiar with Wine Country, this is uh, the directorial debut of friend of bust, Amy Poehler. Mm-hmm. And she cast all of her friends in this movie. She's in it. Maya Rudolph, Rachel Dratch, Anna Gasteyer, Paula Pell, Emily Spivey, Tina Fey. They're all in it. And back in the early days of this podcast... We had Rachel Dratch on this podcast 
and she disclosed that this very list of people that I just named are on and like infinite text chain chain that has been going on for years and we were like we want to read this text chain we want in on it whatever it is that you make you have to make something involving this text chain and we will consume it and that's basically this movie wow i mean it was okay okay. i have to watch but it's just friendship times and that's it it's just friendship times and inside jokes favorite movies is spring breakdown which is a very very little known movie from before bridesmaids before they thought women could do an entire cast mm-hmm. and it was amber tamlin amy poehler rachel dresh and they were on like parker posey parker posey the oh, cast was great so good and it was very outlandish comedy about a woman pretending that she was on spring break to try to like it's just absurd and that movie had so many like slapstick moments to me. This was soft comedy. I will use the word soft, not bad. It was just. Well, it didn't really have a plot. It was just a meandering trip. Right. Of friends hanging out it. and being friends. I didn't hate it. I would background it, you know, if you're hanging out and you're doing your makeup. There's just and something soothing about each other's hair. a bunch of women palling around for two hours. I felt soothed. You know, I thought there were some jokes, but I wanted more heavy hitters. Like in Spring Breakdown. I understand. I want it more absurd. What have you been watching? I'm so glad you asked. I'm actually curious uh, to have you weigh in on this, Miss Our Lady J. Um, Morrissey is problematic with a capital P. Problem. (laughs) And he is also like one of the loves of my teenage life. Why is he problematic? I don't know. He's problematic for so many this reasons. There him. isn't even enough Besides time in this podcast. Yeah. But I'll give you, I'll give you oh, like no. a choice three reasons. Okay. Um, he, as you may or may not know, he's like super vegan. He's like way into animal rights. And he called the entirety of the Chinese people a subspecies because of their treatment of animals. Okay. So please don't with that. He uh, <laughs> has defended child sex abuse cases from the 70s mm. saying that it was a different time. No. And, you know, things no. were relaxed in the 70s in a not way that the they're children. not now. At, no. Right. Um, he's not like, if you, if you lock up every grown man that got it on with a 14 year old in the 70s and that that'll be a lot of bars i think he said oh my god like okay boss and th- like he's he, i'm just over here recently, welding bars. <laughs> he threw his political support be- behind the far-right candidate uh marine le pen in france who is wow. like the rightiest right who ever righted like he's one of those people i think that went so far left that he circled around and went right again like i don't <laughs> like he just went like on a Roseanne. loop. To, I, yeah, Roseanne wasn't Roseanne left. I think yeah, yeah. I think Roseanne 90s. did that too. Roseanne used to work for. She did an advice column for us before she went all the way around, around the, the whole circle. loop. Yeah, uh, and then he, we were like, somebody still thought she wrote. They canceled their subscription, and we were like, she hasn't written from for us for, for like, like ten years. Yeah, or ten years. <laughs> Obviously, you weren't reading your magazine, but okay. (laughs) (laughs) Morrissey is a hot-ass mess. Like, I don't know what happened to him. This all happened, like, within the last, I would say, also 10 years. Like, maybe he and Roseanne, like, drank the same poison. You know, I think it's like my parents, they were really liberal, and they got old and angry and And selfish. I don't know, but... 
his music was so important in my life. If I start talking about it, I'll get emotion. I uh, so anyway, he did a Broadway residency, and I went. My luscious research assistant Logan went with me. I clutched him when they played How Soon Is Now. I got a little verklempt when he played Every Day Is Like Sunday. The tears were like lit, 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 lit down my little face. And this is like the third time you saw him. This right? is like the third time I've seen him. It just gets more emotional every time. Did you heckle him after the show? I did not. I did no heckling, <laughs> especially because I was there on free press tickets. So who's going to, I'm not going to be rude to the no, publicist who put my run. butt in those seats. <laughs> he did a great cover of. Back on the Chain Gang by the Pretenders. He did an incredible cover of Wedding Bell Blues by Laura Nero. He's like crooning about Bill and how he wants Bill to marry him, and it was so cute. And the drummer was so good and had like a giant, humongous drum. And I loved it. And I'm, and like, can you separate the art from the artist? And like, am I, like, do I have to cancel him for my life? I don't know. I was in church for all of Morrissey's career. Uh-huh. So I I don't have the same emotional connection that you have. But maybe you have an emotional connection to someone else who sucks. Do I? I don't maybe know. Maybe you don't. Maybe everyone you love is beyond reproach. I mean, the only person I really love is Dolly Parton, and she's perfect. She's yeah. perfect. You're so lucky. So I think that's the on- that's the reason I only love one person. Oh, we should <laughs> give you the Dolly issue before you leave. Oh my gosh, thank you. I would love that. Yeah. Um, I don't know, but if I found out. I don't know. I yeah, really, I I one. am conflicted. I think well, you know how I've felt about it because I, you know, I love Michael Jackson, and I loved R. Kelly, but R. Kelly's songs are all about sex, and I know that those songs are not written about having sex with children, so therefore, must cancel R. Kelly, mm-hmm. because then when I think about when I go back to those songs, I know that that's about some fucked up shit, and Michael Jackson wrote songs that are just about. They're all over the place, and none of them necessarily are about what he was doing. So I can separate that. Hmm. You know, I think it's like Morrissey was just sad. Is he sad because he's? I am like more willing to cancel Michael Jackson, who is equally formative to me. I'm more willing to cancel him because of watching those two young men on the documentary than I am for Morrissey. Maybe it's because Morrissey is very ill, and I know that like he won't. Well, Michael Jackson's also dead. (laughs) <laughs> right. So it's not a question of whether or not am I going to go to a Michael Jackson show. I'm not. Right. Like you're not going to put money in his choice. pocket. For me, when someone leans a certain way politically, I'm more willing to forgive that or at least open up to why they might lean in that direction because not everyone is a single issue voter. Right. right? Or some people are single issue voters and they might have voted for that person for an entirely different reason that might be legitimate. I don't know. So I'm I'm more likely to look the other way when someone differs from me politically. But then when someone has allegations of abuse, All right? I, it's a next I level. Don't I can't enjoy right watching like, or listening. Morrissey to be clear, Morrissey does not have allegations of abuse against him. He just him. seems like he's a just cranky being a dick. old man. Yeah. Then I could probably enjoy a Morrissey. Song. I mean, Maybe. I didn't I like know. my grandfather's uh, personality, but I still hung out with him. <laughs> Right. Bless his heart. I mean, right? if we're going to cancel everyone, you know, I think. So we can't even go to we'll, the South. We'll cancel a lot of people. <laughs> I mean, but maybe that's what needs to happen. I don't know. I'm not a fan of cancel culture. 
Me myself. either. I think you have to change people or they're just going to move to a different community yeah. and be bigger assholes. I'll tell you what I did see and like, and I have no cancel culture reservations about. I saw Ma, the uh, horror movie Ma, starring Octavia Spencer, finally getting to leave the help behind her. Not that she wasn't great in the help, but she's, as I've said before, Octavia Spencer is a brilliant actor who was always cast as like the support staff right right for somebody mm-hmm. else and she finally gets She's to phenomenal. anchor this whole movie how was she and how was she it? was so good Amazing. like callie called it like when we saw the uh the trailer, trailer was callie called it and she was like the entire movie is in this trailer i've just seen the entire movie and i can say which that's, looks like a great it's a great trailer that trailer was fine that's pretty much true octavia spencer delivers a a suspense performance where she just has those big expressive eyes and you know that she's going to pop off, but you don't know when. And she's like, literally the camera's just on her face and she's not saying a word and she's doing some eye acting and it's everything. And like, you feel like you're going to barf. <laughs> it's like almost too much. I'm like, Oh, Octavia Spencer's doing the most. <laughs> she's just doing the most with her face. But and then, saying the least <laughs> and saying, Oh, but, and then when she does go off, I had to literally avert my eyes. It was too intense for some viewers. Ah, people were yelling at the screen. I was one of those people. I was like, no, Octavia, don't do it. Ah, I can't wait to watch oh, that. Watch. Uh, and then I was all keyed up from watching it. I, in case you can't tell, I recommend it. Go to the theater and support women in starring roles in horror. Do it. I think we couldn't end any better than that. <laughs> Thank you guys for having me. Thank you so much Thank for visiting you. us. This was great. I this cannot really wait fun. for Poe. Thank you. Poses. June 11th June on FX. June 11th on Season FX. one is out now on Netflix. Oh. Legendary, 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 legendary. Legendary. Times infinity. Thanks so much to our luscious audio engineer, Logan Del Fuego. (laughs) Muy caliente. And to our girl gang at Bust Magazine. You can find me on Twitter at Emily Rems. Where can people find you on the socials? My Instagram is probably the place that I keep updated the most okay. when I can't figure out my Facebook password. And is it at Our Lady J? I like it's that just you're not Our Lady J. permanently plugged it on the face. No, I actually deleted my personal Facebook profile and I just have like a page, an artist page, which I don't do anything with. It's just collecting That's good digital dust. Yeah, that is good self-care. That is good self-care. I salute you. Don't try to find Callie on Twitter because you can't find her. She's secret. She's also, stealth. they let Nazis on Twitter without any censorship, so I don't even understand why you guys aren't on there. I am on Twitter. I enjoy it's a news source. A Twitter moment for news. All exactly. Right. Also, a Nazi source, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> <laughs> you can email us. I'm at emilyrams at bus.com. I'm at callyw at bus.com. And you can learn more about this show at bust.com slash pop tarts. And finally, Please rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts. It's so easy. It's easier than going to see a movie or a live event in New York City. It's way (laughs) easier than that. We'll just appreciate you, and that's straight up it. Um, It really helps us get the word out, and we super-duper appreciate it. Until next time. Mwah!